Hey, Zach Elliott here, Lab the Podcast. Before we get into episode eight of season three, I just want to take a quick second to once again thank Buddy Brew. Our friends over at Buddy Brew take such good care of us. They are great partners in Lab the Podcast and have given us a home to broadcast from. And we can't wait to get back to Buddy Brew. In the meantime, while we are not meeting live at Buddy Brew, there is still so much that you can do to help small business in your part of the world or here in Tampa and help Buddy Brew. So go to buddybrew.com and just buy a bag of coffee our life and beauty blend coffee is on their website but really you can't go wrong every single coffee they roast is absolutely incredible but go to their website order some coffee that's a direct way that you can support lab the podcast and that you can say thank you and take care of the people who host us and give us a home for our show so thanks for listening i can't wait to share episode eight with you And until then, go warm up some Buddy Brew coffee and get ready for an incredible episode. Episode 8, coming up in just a few minutes. I'm Zach Elliott. Welcome to Lab the Podcast. This is a place you'll find life and beauty in every season and in every story. The podcast features honest conversations about faith, hope, and love that will inspire, encourage, and maybe even challenge you to discover the unexpected life and beauty surrounding you right now. Hey, welcome to Season 3, Episode 8 of Lab the Podcast. And I know I've said it before, but I want to go back to the origin of these stories. Uh, the belief behind Lab the Podcast is the incredible good news. The gospel actually invites us to embrace the realities of our human experience. And it gives us permission and freedom to give voice to what we've known to be true. That there is so much life and beauty in the world and in each of us. And yet there's deep brokenness and pain and sometimes a seemingly endless night in our stories as well. But within that darkness, light has come and it is coming and the possibility exists, the hope exists that we can in fact rise and go and that we're not captives to darkness, that we're prisoners of hope, pilgrims on our way home. And that is good news indeed. That's the big story that all of our lab stories flow from and back to. Well, we have the honor of sharing some time with two pilgrims whose friendship with their mentor, Betty Skinner, gave birth to a wonderful and yet gentle and life-transforming book titled The Hidden Life Awakened. Author Kitty Crenshaw had the privilege of being mentored by Betty Skinner for more than 50 years. During that time, she's been a mother to two daughters, a grandmother, a wife of 46 years to U.S. Congressman Andrew Crenshaw, and has given much to lead and serve civic and charitable organizations. She's also an author whose words fill and flow effortlessly from each page of this beautiful book. And her friend and co-author, Dr. Kathy Snap, was mentored by Betty for more than 20 years. She's the campus director of behavioral health for the Augusta University and University of Georgia Medical Partnership and its undergraduate and graduate medical education programs, including the St. Mary's and Piedmont Athens Regional Internal Medicine Residency Programs. She's an assistant professor of medicine at the Medicinal College of Georgia, Augusta University, 
Prior to that, she was a clinical psychologist and served on graduate medical faculty as the Director of Behavioral Medicine at the Tallahassee Memorial Healthcare Residency Program. So yes, brilliant, amazing guests, but beyond that, both Kitty and Dr. Snap have a joy and a lightness to them that I've found in kind and wise souls who have much life and beauty to share. So Kitty and Dr. Snap, welcome to Lab the Podcast. I've wanted to do this for months and months and months, so it's super good to have you. Oh, thank you, Zach. We're so excited, too. Well, it's, it, we were just saying before we started recording that COVID, this whole pandemic disruption, allowed us to get this time. It was tough because we're in multiple different places, Florida, two parts, and Georgia. So being together is good. We'll take it by phone. But I want to say congratulations and thank you for the book. I read so many books constantly, I think I'm reading like six books currently at the time, and I'm just a voracious reader, but every once in a while you come across a really, really special book that just seems to float, the words just float off the page, and your book is that book. It's truly beautiful. And the idea of spiritual friendship is woven into every layer of the beautiful story you tell, including how the two of you met and became friends with Betty, this incredible woman who we get to meet in The Hidden Life. To start, I wonder, Kitty, can you just introduce us to Betty, because um, she's been your friend and mentor for over 50 years. How did you meet? And then help us understand how you and Kathy's lives intersected to the point that you decided to write this book together? Well, people, you know, it was, it was such a total gift from God because I wasn't even looking for a spiritual mentor. But um, Betty and my mother were sorority sisters at the University of Alabama. And the, they both moved here in Jacksonville with very, very powerful kind of crazy men they were married to. Both of them had four children. Both of them were completely broken. And Betty sort of had lost herself in doing good works. She was, she was very involved in Young Life. She was my Young Life leader. What I did not know at the time was that she was also absolutely disabled with depression. Hmm. So she she took me on because it was easier to take me on than to take care of her own children. And um, as I was leaving high school, Young Life is high school, and as I was leaving high school to check myself into the college dorm after a few years of friendship with Betty, um, she was checking herself into the um, eighth floor of Shan's Hospital in Gainesville, the psychiatric ward. Mm -hmm. absolutely broken with depression. And just so you kind of get a little sense of her and where she was at that time, uh, this is 1968. Um, I just picture her in that big old house she had, and she was packing up her little blue bag to take herself to the hospital. I mean, she did not have to be um, put in there. She, she agreed to go. And, as she was doing that, she just sat down for a moment and she wrote this little note, which we have in our book, and I think it'll help you understand the beginning of the whole story. She says, all right, Lord, I've been reading about what a good Christian woman should do and how she should live her life, but I want to say to you, Lord, that it is not working for me. You promised me joy. You promised me peace. You promised me wholeness. And I'm not experiencing any of this. My life is a total disaster. There's got to be another way. I don't doubt your promises, but I don't understand how to find them. Mm. So that was, from that point, the healing began. And uh, the story came from all that and, and the beauty of her life given to me and Kathy and now to the world all came from that dark moment. I think that's what made me so attracted immediately when I, the, I mean, the first pages of the book, the preface even of the book, invites you into a real person's story, a lived experience that lets you know someone who is walking a journey and inviting you to kind of walk along beside them. 
And you both did a masterful job of kind of locating us kind of in those footsteps every step of the way. And so thank you for painting a little bit of a picture of Betty. Kathy, maybe introduce how you knew Betty and you can expand, you can color in some more of that picture of Betty just to kind of set us up as we begin to talk about this book that's really you giving voice to her story and then helping us learn from it. Yeah, Zach. So I stepped into the story about 30 years after uh, Kitty just described, 30 years deep into Betty's spiritual life. And the person that I met when I moved to Jacksonville to go on Young Life staff, uh, Kitty helped raise my money, which formed our spiritual friendship to raise my salary to come to Jacksonville, become a Young Life church partner. She immediately wanted me to meet her mentor and friend. Well, when you're in the presence of a person who has done that depth of inner work, and as you said, Zach, our lives do speak, uh, what I found was a treasured source of divine love. And I just wanted to read to you from the preface um, how we came to write this story and uh, just really on the first page of the book. And it says that many years ago, God dropped us two raucous talkative seekers, Kitty and I into the life of a tiny, peaceful gray haired lover of solitude and silence. Betty Skinner, who had struggled with deep clinical depression in a time when there were no therapies other than to be locked in a hospital ward, opened her life to us and used her quiet wisdom and gentle heart to show us the way of hope. After years of spiritual friendship, we realized her amazing story had to be told as an encouragement for others who too were struggling. So we go on to say that the first day we arrived on Betty's doorstep, she was wearing what we called her saint suit. And it's these white slippers uh, with her white, snowy, white, monkish hair. She looks for all the world like a cherubic saint. Mm -hmm. And that really is what you see with Betty, this radiant divine love, this radiant divine light of one who has traversed the, the, the deep, deep challenges of the, of the human heart and the human soul. And that's really what this book is about. And it was our, Kitty and I's just dream and vision to offer the hope and encouragement that we have found in our own personal journey to the, to the hurting hearts of so, so many thousands of people. And that's been our prayer. Yeah. Well, the two of you just, I love the way that God is at work in our stories. You talk about 30 years of separate, you know, separating the moments that you met Betty and here she is still being that source of light and hope and inspiration to each of you in your moments. And then all these years later in 2020, somebody like me picks up the book and the same thing is happening and continuing to happen. Betty is still living today. And Kitty, she's, I know the dis COVID disruption has been hard on everyone. How is she doing? Is she, is, is there a way that we can be praying even as we think and as we hear this story of this amazing person? How's she doing today? Well, she is doing fine, she would say, except that she is, she is lonely and it's, they have absolutely shut down all the nursing homes and nobody can come in or out. She, she can't see me. She can't see her daughter. I used to take her out to lunch. She loved that just to get out. So it has been very hard on her, and her hearing is almost gone now. So even when I call her on the phone, it's, it's difficult for her to hear me. So um, I just pray for her a lot, and I, I'll call her and just let her talk because she can't. She loves to read the things I send her from our website. Her mind is really strong. It's just that she can't hear and can barely see now. So, but there's a drumbeat in her heart that I think that she would want the world to know. And this is a missive that is written throughout the book is all shall be well, mm -hmm. all shall yeah. be well, and all manner of things shall be well. And that is a living, uh, how many times we have heard her offer those words to us. And I think if, if she were asked today, that would be the message that I think she would want 
mm-hmm. us to hear really at the end of the day that there is this divine love guiding every facet of our lives, including these deep challenges, but that all shall be well. And I think, Kitty, don't you think that would be her message uh, oh, from yeah. nursing home? Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. For sure. And and that the God loves you. And don't don't forget that. Don't ever forget that. It's, it's a reality. And she's so, she's so close now to going home. And um, it's a beautiful thing to watch how she's moved all through all of this, even this last great challenge of the um, quarantine. Well, I love the, just the reality Eugene Peterson talks about long obedience and mm-hmm. the, the idea that this journey that we're on is a long and slow and deep walk is that's just a reality. And to see it in someone who today in a nursing home still embodies that truth that says all shall be well. And when you come into their presence, you they don't even need to speak. You just get a sense that, that that's a lived truth. And I'm imagining Betty like that over the course of this incredible story. And I want to get into it a little bit and talk about the book, talk about what you've learned from her. And along the way, for everybody who's listening, you're going to hear me continue to just say, get the book. I can't say it enough. There are treasures that we have on our shelves and the hidden life awakened is one of those. So you can look it up right now on Amazon while we're talking and just order the book, get it, put it on the shelf, get two so that you can give one away because you'll end up wanting to. But I had a, I'm going to get into the book and we'll talk book like this. An artist friend of mine was given a really brilliant piece of advice about songwriting. He said, if you write for one, you'll reach thousands. If you write for thousands, you'll, you may reach none. So when you, when you wrote the book, and, and I'll let this be Kitty or Kathy, whoever wants to tackle this one. But when you wrote the book, um, who were you writing to? I'm just deeply curious because of all the people in the world who could read this book, I found myself personally connecting with so many moments and so many ideas uh, through the book. Who were you writing to when you wrote? Kitty, if I could just take a crack at that. Yeah, yeah. How many times, Kitty and I worked on this book almost daily for five years. And we would tape, we would go and tape Betty and spent hundreds of hours recording her spiritual wisdom within the context of her life story. And she would always close the sessions in prayer. We would always open and close in prayer. And always she dedicated these sessions that one lonely pilgrim that one lonely pilgrim might find their way home. So we really wrote it for the one lonely pilgrim. But I will share with you that having used this book for close to 15 years in clinical practice, I can't tell you the hundreds of patients from all walks of life, all social strata, all chronic disease states, they will tell me, this book is my story. And I would just smile inwardly because I thought this is the lonely pilgrim. And yet they're the, just the disparate lives uh, as you spoke, Zach. And I can't tell you the numbers of times I pick up the book and open it up just needing a word of encouragement and hope. Um, I don't even see this as our book. I truly do see this as a gift from God to us to to have the opportunity to have a 21st century mystic saint within the christian tradition offer us this path mm-hmm. so it was written for the one lonely pilgrim but i certainly have seen it in a uh, very wide context I love how you said um, a modern-day mystic saint, and we sometimes look back kind of romantically at Julian of Norwich and these folks who we can read their words and they just seem to have something different in them. And we think, well, those people existed only then. And you really, it it is wonderful when you stumble upon somebody who is a modern-day mystic like that, and you go, no, that same spirit is animating life today. And if you're open to it, you'll find them. It feels like there is a universal hunger. You said this disparate, you know, motley crew of us pilgrims, lonely pilgrims like me who responded to the book. 
it feels like there's a universal hunger right now for the hidden life. And I wonder if you can take a stab at just what is at the core of Betty's story that gives voice to something within all of that disparate tribe that is responding and is hurting and is hungry and is the, to all of those lonely pilgrims. What's at the core of the story that Betty's story gives voice to um, that, that maybe we're all longing for right now? Can I just read a par- There's a paragraph on page 34 that I would love to read. Is that okay with Zach? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. This is a beautiful answer, I believe. And Kitty, you may have one to add as well. Would we write in the illumination section? These are Betty's direct words to the reader. As we live more and more from the deep dimensions of the hidden life, we very slowly begin to realize that we have allowed our illusions to separate our hearts from God others, and ourselves. We have been conditioned to think that we do not have enough. We need more, be it attention, affection, esteem, control, or security. So we live, all of us, with constant anxiety that drives us to control, compete, and compare ourselves to others. This process leaves us experiencing a great deal of shame further alienating us from what is real and from who we are. And then I'd like to add now, y'all, because these are these are Betty's exact words that she would want us to hear. It takes courage, trust, and faith beyond all doubt to detach from these insatiable fears that enslave us and keep us from peace. As long as we remain fearful, we will remain isolated and limited in our capacity to relate to others and the world in a compassionate way. We will continue to live in illusion rather than an authentic love. So to my mind, the deep message of this work and this book is this journey from this sense of separateness into an experience of divine union with God, the love of God person of God. And and I would add that what is the gift in this story and and what Betty gave us and now to everyone is that in the Bible it says, you know, the the harvest is ready, but the workers are few. And there and that's so true. There's so few people to help us find the way. Hmm. And here we have someone who's not just some young person writing a book. This is a life, a life that's been lived all the way, all the way out now. She's 94, and she's reaching back and saying, I'll be that person for you. I want to be your friend. And in the end, she says, um, at the end, end of one of her letters in the book, she says, to you and to each pilgrim out there, our precious Lord is setting you apart. He's calling you unto himself to be and to become his disciple. What an honor. He has much to teach you, and you have much to learn. So take his hand now, even as I am offering you mine. And in the warmth of such an all-compelling love, let us follow him together. I love you, Betty. Those are the kind of, I just love that you both read directly from Betty's words. It's almost as if the best thing I could do would just be say, to say, let's read some of these pages and stay out of the way. Because she, if you just heard the way that she wrote, this is what we're talking about. This heart that just poured out that invitation to a union and a communion to step out of and to, to let go of fear and step into a to a union that sets you free from everything that comes downstream of that separateness. Um, what a gift. Part of And Zach, if I could just add that yeah. Kitty has just done an amazing job on the Hidden Life Awakened website of placing open source, free to anybody, different segments of Betty teaching and speaking to the reader. So anybody would be welcome to go there and you actually get to see her and hear her. And uh, Kitty's curated, just very poignant uh, little distillations of her speaking. 
What's the tell us while we're while we've got it top of mind? The website is hiddenlifeawakened.com. dot com. The hidden life. The, yeah, the hidden life awakened dot com. Yeah, the hidden life You can go there now. Just pull up the website, and if you'll see there that you can sign up for a newsletter. I think if you go all the way to the bottom, do that. But I read one of these that you sent my way on aging, and it was the most beautiful perspective on aging. So yes to that. Go to the website, sign up, and stay in this conversation. And it, it is a gift to be in the conversation. And I think part of what you and Betty have given us permission to do is just be honest and say that we need something deeper and something more. And Kathy, to your point, that maybe there are parts of our being that have been or are being completely neglected. And we can't just, we just can't keep doing it. We know in every part of our being, even if we don't have language for it, that something is off. In your book, you talk about the idea of integrated wholeness and this idea of a healthy body, a serene mind, and a powerful spirit. I wonder if we can spend some time here for just a bit, and can you help us understand that idea a little bit more, that idea of integrated wholeness? What is it, and why is it so important to start shifting our thinking to a more integrated and whole perspective? Well, you know, one of Betty's just had a series of mentors throughout her life, and one of the, in the early days of her healing, God provided, as God always has for her, a book called The Healing of Persons by Paul Turnier, the brilliant Swiss psychiatrist. And Turnier's heuristic or model of healing was that we really are comprised of three component parts, a healthy body, or the, or the three component parts of healing are comprised of a healthy body, a serene mind, and a powerful spirit. Well, in my world of clinical systems medicine, um, we know that there are profound physiologic, metabolic, epigenetic impacts of addressing the domains of a healthy body, having the appropriate sleep, rest, uh, thoughts and emotions, physical activity, we are learning more and more about how each of those domains epigenetically change uh, structures within the cell of the body to enhance our wholeness. And we also know that a serene mind, uh, having this beautiful sense of inner clarity and inner peace correlates and supports immune function, uh, impacts autonomic nervous system function, so that all of these tie together, the healthy body and the serene mind, and then are deeply enhanced by this sense of powerful spirit. And we all know people, and we've all experienced moments of joy, of unconditional love, of forgiveness, of acceptance, of deeper trust. We've all experienced these states. So our model, as we've incorporated this within the, within the book, is how do we daily address through our small choices to choose a healthy body, to choose appropriate nutri- nutrition, to choose to move, to choose to address our thoughts and our emotions, to choose to address these deep places within us. And as we do this choice by choice, we call it in our medical world, jot by jot, just one thing, just Mm. one thing, choice by choice, we literally have the opportunity to participate in this beautiful renewing of the mind, this beautiful renewing of our spirits. And we would say, to come home to our true self, this hidden life. And that really is, to my mind, the path into embodying our true selves is through these daily addressing of these choices within those domains. The the idea of an integrated wholeness, like you just described, a healthy body, a serene mind, a powerful spirit, it makes so much sense when we're sitting here and we're talking about this. I think, again, you're giving language to what we know to be true, that if we pull on one of these or if there's, if we're out of balance in one of these areas, that it does affect the whole. 
but it's so difficult. Like so much of our experience, even within the church, is just it's not consistent with with an integrated perspective. What do you think that Betty, why did Betty have an advantage? Uh, what was her advantage that allowed her to live in that integrated way? Uh, and why is it maybe, is, why is it challenging for us today to, to try to integrate back what seems to be, what seems to have been torn apart? Zach, I'm going to let Kitty take its first step at this, and then I'd, I'd like to weigh in, but I just want to say to you, I just think that is a brilliant brilliant question mm. it's so incisive kitty how, how would you address well, it? well i immediately think about um what betty said she said she was so out of balance body mind spirit she was way over in the spirit part because that was her escape she was doing christian work mm. reading christian books she was not taking care of her body and she was um, not not reading, uh, not doing what her husband was interested in, football and all that sort of thing. She only wanted to, she was lost and completely out of balance in the spiritual side of things. In fact, you'll find a little story in the book. She says, you know, people look over there at um, so-and-so and they said, look at that woman sucking down all that liquor. She drank five quarts of liquor today. <laughs> And she said, they might as well have said, pointed to me and said, look at that woman. She read five spiritual books today. Mm. You know, so she was, you can be very out of balance in the spiritual realm too. So what she had to do was first recognize it. And that's what broke her. That's what she saw when she went to the hospital in Gainesville. She came out of there and she started taking the other two parts of her life and trying to integrate them and build them up. She started to learn how to um, understand football. She's a big Gator fan now to, to make her mind to read more and understand more of what's going on in the world. She started physically taking care of herself. She put on her tennis shoes and she started walking. And so she began to integrate and that was how she began the healing process that Kathy is talking about body, mind, spirit. Kathy, before you jump in, let me just respond to that, what Kitty just said. I loved that in the book, the little picture of getting interested in football. And I know somebody is listening right now and feels that out of balance between, you know, the 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 upper life and the inner life and that relational life. And there's a we feel out of balance. And it feels like it, it would be unholy to spend time with watching football and to put down my spiritual book and participate in this, this seemingly novel thing that my husband or my wife is doing. But because of the integrated nature of our lives and how we were created to be, the, the whole thing has been redeemed. And that kind of permission is there is a freedom and a joy that starts to happen in our lives when we start to, to, have this perspective so say more Kathy help us keep going down that trail oh Zach I think you're just you're just so on it the only the only thing I would add and it's a practice that we weave into all of our physician well-being and patient care programs and it's really this simple simple step of training our attention and awareness to come into this present moment Betty would always teaches us get our attention get our focus so we come into the moment and we discern where are we out of balance? You know, am I in one of these, Betty calls the five C's. Am I in a thought pattern of competing, comparing, complaining, condemning, controlling? And often I am. So I notice where I'm out of balance with my thoughts. And then we teach, you simply reach for a better feeling, daughter choice in that moment. And we know that there's several domains with which we can do that. We can choose better feeling thought or choice around our exercise, our nutrition, our thoughts and emotions, our sleep and rest, our relationships. And turns out these five core domains, we call them modifiable lifestyle choices, are our epigenetic levers of health. These positive lifestyle choices literally speak to our genes and change the information that wash over our genes. So it's a very profound but very simple prescription, mm. just getting our attention and getting our focus. And I have to do this all the time with myself when I'm awake enough to do it. Often I'm carried away by my mental 
distractions or preoccupations or reactions. But when I'm awake to my out-of-balanceness, I can ask with the spirit, what, how can I reach for a better feeling, thought, or choice? Maybe reaching for the apple. Maybe reaching for my thing of water. Maybe getting up and going for a walk. What can I do in this moment to reach for a better feeling, thought, or choice? So it's a simple Simple step with profoundly complex uh, <laughs> physiologic mechanisms, but I believe that this is what Betty was doing. She would get, she would train her mind and her heart to get her attention, get her focus, and then she would reach for a better feeling, thought, or choice to bring about that balance. And we unwrap this in a very poetic way throughout the book. The, the brilliance of what you just unpacked for us, I think partially is you've spent a life, obviously this is who you are as a doctor and as a practitioner and a teacher, you, this is, you have immersed yourself in, in looking through a scientific lens, through a data lens to confirm what Betty was speaking and what her life was giving voice to. And I think it's one of the things that makes the book so powerful is that it's Betty saying it from a lived reality. It's Kitty and Kathy together giving voice and putting words to, and then it's a life's work of data supporting and saying, no, this is what we're seeing. And I, just as you were speaking, I was thinking of C.S. Lewis's perspective on miracles and the, the, the fact that they're naturally occurring things that were accelerated, right? Like water into wine happens all the time. And healing, the transforming and the renewing of the mind. What if, you know, sometimes we want the spiritual bypass. We think it'll be holier if I just, you know, I'm not going to think about my choice to get up and walk. I'm going to wait till the miracle happens. And then Jesus comes and he says, get up and walk. And it's an invitation into the miracle. So, you've done so much to gently address some of the devastation that we experience from this kind of unhealthy and theologically inaccurate way of thinking about things as separate, you know, and setting aside relationship from spirit, from body. And one of the things that I love, I'm, I'm going to do a reading if you're okay with it. I'm going to just read a couple paragraphs and then maybe have you expand on these. But right now, the, that that little subtle effect, devastating effect, actually, of dualism that has just diminished the body and the, the role of the body. Um, I think you speak to it brilliantly on page 93. Uh, there's an installation that says, Ours is a world in which matter is the bearer of spirit. The incarnation was the ultimate example of this. The word became flesh and dwelled among us, Jesus. If you will begin to try to change the way you see your physical body and its integral and holy relationship to all of creation, everything will begin to change for you. By doing the work of honoring, balancing, and integrating your inner life and your outer life, you will find that you are able to more purely love God by offering your whole self to the work of love. The deepest mystery about you is that the physical body you have been given is in reality the temple of the Holy Spirit and the bearer of Christ to the world. Your body, no matter how broken, was wondrously created in the image of in God's image for his purpose. What a beautiful I mean that's a that is as beautiful as any Rembrandt that you could hang. That is beautiful, beautiful wisdom and writing. Help unpack that for us and the the power of us to be the bearer of Christ in the world. Just help us understand from a cellular level, from a from a actual genome level, how true that is. I love that next line. Uh, when you say, it, just picking up in the book, your body, no matter how broken, has been endowed by its creator with a marvelous genome set of genes and chromosomes largely inherited from your parents but that is radically affected and impacted by your experience in life and i just love that that in any moment no matter what our chronic disease burden no matter what our status no matter if like my brother who's dying of cancer sitting i was sat on his bedside as he died of cancer i watched 
a body decaying, but a spirit coming more and more and more to life. So it's this beautiful interplay of genes and chromosomes and information that operates with our choices. And yet somehow uh, by the God's mysterious spirit and grace, there is always something more wondrous happening within us than any chronic disease uh, labs or picture that we might be handed by our, our physician. So I don't know if that addresses your, your, your point, Zach, but I find it the most marvelous news that no matter where we are, no matter what our health challenges, that in any singular moment, we can choose to shift our health trajectory, even as we are passing from this body. Mm-hmm. And that was a profound experience as I would read to Hidden Life Awakened to my brother as he was dying of cancer. And he was actively involved in forgiveness work, actively involved in surrender and acceptance. And I knew epigenetically, this is profound to me, epigenetically, he was neurosculpting his spiritual heart and physical brain into higher and higher states even as the flesh was decaying. I just think that's marvelous. It's, it, it's incredible for all of us who are facing different, different diseases. Again, a great way to talk about it. Betty's struggle was with depression. And I wonder if you can talk a little bit, at the time, much of what you know today and what we know today about the brain was still unknown. And she was navigating all of this landscape of depression just kind of between her and god and and even the medical community with not what the information that it has today what looking back now how does what how does what we know now about the brain inform maybe what you saw taking place and some of the things that betty was experiencing where she finally did have breakthrough or she was able to experience freedom what can that teach us about depression and i mean maybe speak to people who are struggling right now in that space and they're saying i want to believe these things but my body feels sick i'm struggling at a at a body level with the effects of depression um well i'll just tell you a quick little story that before kathy tells you the um scientific um ramifications of that but when betty was in the hospital she said all that that she was so depressed that all she wanted to do was stay in the bed and pull covers up over her head. And that's all anybody wanted to do there. They were locked in. Um, They were not told to exercise. Doctors didn't know about exercise then. And she would, as Kathy said, just one thing. She just did one thing. She called the nurse over. She said, would you please put on my tennis shoes for me? She could not even do that and help me get out of this bed. And then from there, she began just to walk a little bit, a little bit of healing. And ultimately, she climbed the mountains of the world, as also in the story you'll read. But, I mean, it was just that one thing. Mm. Please help me put my shoes on. Wow. Yeah, I think that is, that, that is the, the approach that we use clinically with, with, certainly with our patients, is this just one thing approach. And what I would love to share with anybody who's struggling right now with depression. The number one thing I would love to share with you, first of all, it is not your fault. Hmm. You've done nothing wrong. You're doing the absolute best and you've always been doing the absolute best you have known to do. And we know that depression is a multifactorial, uh, multi-organ genetic There's a whole host of a multifactorial reasons for why we're feeling what we're feeling. So, and everybody is unique and everybody's uh, process is unique. But I love what Kitty just reminded us of. If you can summon through your spiritual heart, and if you're listening to this or if you're reading this book, you have a deep spiritual heart Mm -hmm. and you are a seeker and you can trust 
that the great physician resides within you. And one of the things that we write about, and I love that Betty put in, in this book, is to not be afraid of medications. Medications are tremendous bridges. And Betty would always teach, and I've used this with patients, thank God for the medications your physician prescribes you. Mm. Um, just know they are bridges and that there are there is so much more. And as we learn more about dietary supplements and the appropriate nutrition for our genome, et cetera, et cetera. And God will guide you, but just take it one step at a time. God provides you these medications, take them, but before you take them, feel a sense of authentic gratitude. And we know that if we experience and feel gratefulness for 17 to 20 to 22 seconds, that we literally begin to turbocharge neural reconstructions within our brain that actually promote our health and our growth. So I'm going to say that one more time yeah. because this is profound. If we can spend, and the labs differ from 13 seconds to 22, 23 seconds, but if we can spend that mo those moments in gratefulness, in a sense of positive emotion, holding those medications or whatever the prescriptions are that we're using or the interventions that we're using. The key is to feel a sense of positive emotion. And if you can feel a sense of positive emotion for just 15 seconds, you are neurosculpting wow. greater health wow. into your body. Wow. So, so Kathy, um, I love the way Kathy explain it to me. She basically says you're always building brain structure. Tell me when I'm wrong, Kath. You're always building brain structure and it's holding, you're either building negative structure or positive structure. And the more negative you think, the more negative your brain, am I right? Your brain becomes. So the goal yeah. is to build more positive structure that will then hold more positive structure and you yeah, a beautiful maxim that I love, and a teacher of mine, Dr. Tal Ben-Shahar from Harvard, taught me this, and I love this. What we appreciate, appreciates. Hmm. And throughout the book, Betty talks about gratitude is everything. How many times we wrote that sentence throughout the book? Gratitude is everything. Well, sure enough, we're now learning in the fields of neurobiology and neuroscience and systems medicine. Gratitude is a profound prescription so it's a it's a it's a it's a i would say in addition to your medications to to write yourself and i have several physician friends that do this they write prescriptions for gratitude the key is in the writing but it's then the feeling of the gratefulness we now know that these positive emotions generated from our heart center is the key to the renewing of the mind. The molecules generated within our heart center of positive emotion travel through the vagal nerve into the cortex, neurosculpting or renewing our mind. So the key, if you will, for positive brain health, really in a very simple way to consider it, is through that positive heart health. And that's the, that would be a prescription that I would encourage anyone can find 10 to 15 seconds of just one thing for which to be grateful. Well, I love the, what you've just invited us to. And when you were describing just 15 seconds, I thought when, when we're working out our physical body, how sometimes we just don't have it. We, we don't have it in us. We're exhausted. We don't want to be there working out. And you go, I can at least do five. I can do five push-ups, or I can run to the end of the block and I'll just do that. And if we think in terms of 15 seconds, I'm just gonna practice gratitude for 15 seconds. Maybe I can do 20 tomorrow. Maybe I can do 25 seconds of gratitude. But you're literally sculpting. I hear you saying your body is changing, your brain is changing as you do that practice. It just brings to life the scripture be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You you literally are watching that take place. What a brilliant what a brilliant gift um, to have the perspective and the data now to unlock some of those just uh, a one sentence be transformed by the renewing of your mind and then to watch it in a lab. 
Yeah. And we all do it. That's the beauty. Through through the singing of hymns, through the reflection on scripture, through being out in nature, through these wonderful relationships. We are all in and out of these states all day long. The beautiful invitation is to harness them through our attention. Get our attention. Get our focus. And experience this abundant life within us and all around us in every moment. That's the beautiful gift. And we know as we do, we are transforming our entire metabolic, physiologic, epigenetic system of experience here in this life. It's very profound to me. It's incredible. Well, the invitation to that integrated way of being, it seems like it's written into the structure of the book in the way that you used a narrative portion and also this idea of illumination and installation. Just really quickly, how did you settle on that as the structure of the book? It really was, it made it a beautiful and applicable way to to digest these ideas and to stay close to Betty and then also to practice some habits and practices. How did you choose that narrative in illumination installation flow for the book? Um, well, I'll try to answer that. It's really funny because when we were first um, sending our uh, manuscript around to publishers, this one woman, she rose back, she said, what is this? It's neither fish nor fowl. <laughs> we just we used to laugh about that because it doesn't fit in. We were just writing what we were called to write, and um, somehow it just sort of flowed that way because we wanted the illuminations for to have Betty's voice. We wanted the um, story. We wanted to write the narrative. And then well, we wanted to weave the science in with the spiritual, and that was the piece that we so wanted. There's all this incredible world of, of science and healthcare and medicine, and then these profound spiritual truths. Mm. And uh, Kitty, I don't know how how we landed fully on it, but Kitty's just such a brilliant writer that she could see. Uh, that we really needed separate sections because <laughs> it was too confusing to put both of them in one section. Well, uh, as a reader, and for everybody who's curious about the book, what makes it so special is you are invited into the journey to understand Betty's life and get to know her as a person. And then to have these illuminations, these conversations about these ideas that you've been hearing us talk about and then to in, there's an invitation every single time to one small step, one thing that you can start to practice, one habit or practice that you can do. It's just, it's masterfully done. I wonder, we're, I know I want to be sensitive to your time, but I wonder if there's two or three habits or practices just between the two of you that you can share that you would say to, as a beginner to, to start on this journey towards this integrated way into experiencing gratitude. If I wanted to, to start tomorrow and just integrate a couple things into my life, where would you suggest we start? Well, let the therapist answer that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would just, just it's such a great question. And I, and I really, I just hear Betty's, words in my in my mind get your attention Uh get your focus so it sounds very simple but that's a real deep skill is to harness your attention harness your focus and then what is just one thing i can do right now what's what's a better feeling thought or choice in this moment Mm. and i just think that's a profound prescription and it might mean uh dropping one of my five c's (laughs) of competing, comparing, condemning, complaining, controlling, dropping one of those and picking up just one thing for which I can be grateful. Or I can go, go around my messaging system. I might, what's the one thing I can reach for? Better feeling, thought, or choice? I need to go move. I might need to uh, uh, go get a healthy, colorful fruit or vegetable. Uh, It's very, 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 very simple. And I think that's the beautiful gift of Betty's life is this yearning heart and very simple steps. Mm. And And what she always say, too, is 
if you take, when you take one step, just one step towards God, take one step and he will meet you right there. Mm. And then you take another step and another step. And she says in the end, and finally you're dancing, but, you know, just take one little step and he will meet you right there because he so loves that obedience and that discipline and, and your desire above all things, your desire I love to, you know, and that every moment's new. And that, I think that's the profound thing. We have these mental thought patterns of what we ought to be or how this ought to look. And if we can quiet those neurons it's all they are by the way let me just underscore these thought patterns are just neurons hmm. that have fired and wired together that's it hmm. and they can be rewired <laughs> that's profound to me that was a profound aha i was deep in clinical practice when i realized i didn't know what a thought was until i literally saw that's a thought <laughs> that's a thought wow and they can be changed wow and that's the whole Hope. How powerful is that? The gift of people who can come alongside us in that journey, and whether it's a doctor from Harvard or Betty or right now listening to the two of you, this idea of having spiritual friendship, being in relationship with people who enjoy this journey and the journey that you shared with Betty, I think we it's so important that we relearn uh, the importance of those relationships, and we recover that way in our lives. The world needs more Bettys. I think that Bettys in the world need more of us. How how do we find them? And just really quick, speak to that. How do you find your way to a Betty? Who should we be looking for? Maybe how do we change our posture to open ourselves up to that type of relationship? Because both of you benefited from God's just divine intervention bringing you into Betty's life, and I believe that's at work. And I would say that there's things that we can do to open ourselves up to that type of friendship. And if somebody's listening right now and they're saying, I just crave, I wish that, I wish I had a Betty. I wish there was somebody like that in my life. What encouragement would you give to that person that says, I I want that so desperately in my life to just share a little bit of time with somebody. Well, that's a a hard one. I I, I think all the time, I wonder why did God give her to me? Why? I don't know. She just showed up in my life, and I think it was because he wanted me and Kathy to offer her as a friend anyone can pick up this book and have a spiritual friend. Hmm. It's not a spiritual how-to, it's a spiritual friend. And then maybe, I don't know, perhaps that will help you recognize um, a flesh and bone friend when you see one like that. I don't know. Or what Well, I know in Betty's life, you know, Betty, her husband really didn't want her involved in church. And so she, her spiritual friends were Julian of Norwich, A.W. Tozer, Hudson Taylor, Amy Carmichael, Oswald Chambers. These were, and then, then nature, trees, Mm -hmm. you know, she found God and cultivated deep spiritual friendships across different mediums. And I would just say to nurture that, deep desire for connection and then surrender and trust how God provides that. I think that's the, that would be the message because God, as Kitty said, God, you take one step to God and God is there. Hmm. God is there and God will answer that in your heart. That idea that draw near to me, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. Like this, that that is a reality. Um, and there's an invitation that he's not static. He's, as Francis Schaeffer said, he's there and he's not silent. He will move. And I, I love what you said about writing, whether it's picking up the hidden life. I mean, the, the list, Julian of Norwich, Oswald Chambers, the list could go on and on and on. You did such a good job of saying it's the curiosity, it's the hunger and the thirst that 
to, to act on that and to become curious and to one small step. I think we're all going to take that away. And Betty's given us all that, but we can access these. I think that's what's so amazing about the, the letters in, in the New Testament, that they were people writing these words and sharing them. And today you can have access to Betty, even though we can't spend time with her, we can pick up this book and hear her and her voice comes out. You did such a good job of allowing her voice to come through. As we kind of make the turn and wrap up here, the incarnational nature of Betty's faith just reminds me um, of something a mentor and a friend said, of mine said. He said that the gospel will make other people thirsty. When, when we see it in someone's life, when we see the reality of a transformed life, it's going to make us thirsty. We're going to become curious. And Betty's story does that. For all of us who are the the lonely pilgrims, the thirsty pilgrims right now, um, what would you say as a one small step towards even being honest about the fact that we need more? I think early on in Betty's story, I sensed that tension that she knew that something was out of balance and she was trapped in that. And I think so many people feel that. Maybe they go to church regularly they serve, as Betty did, just almost radically. They, they're giving their lives to these things, and they know deep inside that something is not okay. And Betty had the courage to act on it. Something happened that, that forced her then to do this incredibly courageous step to go and to seek help and to spend time and begin this long journey to speak directly to people who are in that space and they're, they haven't made the decision, they haven't been able to muster the courage to be honest yet and say something's out of balance. Help us in that space. Well, maybe we could let Betty speak to that. I was just looking at this, what she might answer. She says, it's, it's mystery. It's God's divine work in us if we choose to desire it. It is all desire. As we continue to ask God to intensify our desire for him, and as we continue to take the next step towards him, God finally meets us in the holy vacancy of our souls, and like a beam of light pours through our transparency and connects with our spirit, filling us with the ultimate gift. The gift of himself. Wow. Amen, amen. Mm -hmm. Dr. Snab, do you want to add anything to that or are we going to let it rest right there? That was. I think, I think the holy vacancy. Can, can, can you just read that one more time? That I think so. The holy vacancy? It was perfect. <laughs> As we continue to ask God to intensify our desire for him, as we continue to take the next step towards him, God finally meets us in the holy vacancy in our souls mm. and like a beam of light pours through our transparency and connects with our spirit, filling us with the ultimate gift, the gift of himself. Amen. Well, Kitty and Dr. Snap, you have written a beautiful book and given voice to a beautiful life and your lives and your work. Continue to tell that story and invite us to the journey home. And we just are deeply grateful. So we're, gonna, we're going to go buy the book. Everybody who's listening, please go just pick up a copy of The Hidden Life, share it. Please share this on social media. If we want to stay in touch in a part of the conversation again with your website and social media, are those the two best places? And if so, can you give us that website one more time just to make sure that we all have it? Yeah, the website actually would be wonderful for you to subscribe. We Betty was a prolific writer, and obviously you've seen how beautiful her writing is too. And so it didn't all fit in this one book. So we've curated many letters that she's written to people who asked her for help and many things she just thought about it and putting we're putting them all on the website blog the hidden life awaken.com we send out an email once a week on thursdays with with either one of her writings or just it might it'll Every other time, it's just a sentence, but they're powerful, beautiful sentences. And so it'd be wonderful for you to subscribe there. We also have an Instagram um, page 
which has a lot of her one sentence things and some beautiful things as well. That's um, the Hidden Life Awakened. And of course, the book is The Hidden Life Awakened, which is on Amazon, or you can get it from our website. Awesome. Well, thank you both so much. TheHiddenLifeAwakened.com. I hear you saying the, the Instagram, The Hidden Life Awakened. Go find that. The book is on Amazon. Please join us in the journey. You're going to love the book and the writing. Kitty and Dr. Snap, thank you um, for the amazing work. We could keep talking all day long, but you have given us so much already. So thank you for sharing the time. Thank you for uh, literally allowing us to see the life and beauty of the gospel and to share. And please share our thanks with Betty the next time that you can share with her. And if you're listening, please join me in praying for Betty and pray for this book that it would continue to reach thousands and thousands more. So thank you to both of you. Mm-hmm. Thank, thank you, Zach. We just love being with you. All right. Thank you so much. I'll take us out of here, and then we'll keep the conversation going. Okay. You've been listening to Lab the Podcast. I'm Zach Elliott. You can follow me on Facebook and Instagram at Zach J. Elliott. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review us. Join me next time for our next episode. Thank you for listening.